Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Hebrews chapter 10, it says in the syllabus, Hebrews 10 shows that the law was never able to make perfect those who draw near because it was a shadow of thing, good things to come and not a reality in itself. Otherwise, the sacrifices would have ceased to be offered. Instead, they served as an annual reminder of sin. But when Jesus came, he offered our one sacrifice for sin for all time and then sat down at the right hand of the Father. Now we can draw near through to God through the veil of Christ's body, having our hearts sprinkled clean and our conscience clear. What's powerful about this chapter is that it mentions that when the body of Jesus was dead, remind you, let me remind you that the spirit that was in him never died because God can't die. But the body was the actual veil in the eyes of God. And it's simultaneously in the scripture that when Jesus cried, it is finished, and the Spirit of God withdrew from him, and his life and his body died, the Scripture said at the same time that in the tabernacle, the actual veil that was in the temple that separated the Ark of the Covenant to all the rest of the priests where the high priest was at, it was ripped from the top to the bottom. That was symbolic, that God's authority supersedes religion, and every tradition in the law, and he ripped it and took it from top to bottom, not earth to heaven, but heaven to earth. And so it says that the body actually was that. So we learned a lot during this semester. We're learning a lot. We've got two more chapters, and we're done with that, and then we're going to go into this next season and learn. So I'm going to go ahead and ask you to grab your Bibles. Let's stand together. Let's get a little bit of church exercise in, a little bit of calisthenics. (laughs) turn with me to hebrews chapter 10 i read out of the new king james and uh, i teach sometimes in reference the new living translation so i always read hebrews chapter uh, 10 or the scripture text out of the new king james but i'll always teach and reference in the either that version or the next version uh, nlt so in that 10th chapter verse 22 it says But recall the former days in which, after you were illuminated, that's an interesting word, illuminated, which means to light, a light that come on, an understanding is really what it's saying. But you endured a great struggle with suffering. Partly you were made a spectacle both by reproach and tribulation and pretty and partly while you became companions to those who were treated for you had so treated so you had compassion on me even in my chains and and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods therefore do not cast away your confidence which has been a great reward Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has been a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that you have done 
the will of God and you may receive the promise. Will you pray God bless the service today now? Will you bless it? Would you ask God to anoint me while I'm talking to you? Come on, you have that authority. This is the partnership we have with Christ. Your part's to just engage. Will you pray and bless this today? Come on, stretch out your hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, we receive it. I receive it. We pray the blessings of God on this service. We pray that every person that's here receive it, God, and that my mouth would deliver it with love, with wisdom, with an anointing, with understanding, and that people would be encouraged and that chains would break. And also, God, that weights would lift and that understanding would come. We thank you for this today, God, in Jesus' name. And everyone say amen. Amen. You can be seated. God bless you. Turn to someone while you're seated and tell them that our community is in Christ. That's what we're talking about today, our community in Christ. I'm going to read this to you again in this chapter, in this verse, but I want you to pay attention very closely because I'm reading it out of the New Living Translation, and it's going to hit home for some of us. It's going to hit home to where we're at and what they were in, and then you can compare what the Hebrews went through to what we're going through and realize they really went through it. <laughs> and it's so humbling to read about fellow believers from another time. And so it says in verse 32, and I'm just repeating the text again, I read in a new translation, think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful even though it meant terrible suffering. Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule. You were beaten. Sometimes you helped others who were suffering for the same thing. And you suffered along with those who were thrown into jail. And when all you own was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. That's strong. The writer, now we're getting into this 10th chapter and we're realizing that not only is he helping them understand what the new covenant was through the tabernacle and the high priest and everything we've been learning about the blood of Jesus, and now he's kind of exposing what they have been going through. And as a believer for the Hebrews, it was open ridicule, and, and, and they were suffering at the hand of religion and government. And and they were outcast. The scripture even says that some of them had all their possessions taken from them because of what they believed. And then it goes on and, and tells them that even though you went through this and you're experiencing this, you're remaining faithful. And then he encourages them to remember your first experience with God. Don't forget where you come from. And so right here it goes on further and it says, you knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. In other words, that don't put your trust in what you can see, but realize that God has a plan and God has a future. So don't throw away the confidence and your trust in the Lord because remember the, 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 the great reward it brings you, patience, endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will 
and then you will receive all that God has promised you. What a word of encouragement for the Hebrews. They chose to accept the new covenant, which, you know, was called good news. But to them, in the eyes of the world, it really was bad news because you didn't want to be labeled if you were just in your feelings and, and you had fear in your life and you cared about what people thought. And I, I, I look at human nature now, and, and I can tell you that most of America, is in, in even our own city, is driven by what other people think. So the social status is really what we strive for in America, you know, who has the most friends and who can drop the biggest names, right? In some cultures, at least, in some places. And it's all about who's who. Back here in the book of Hebrews, for them, it was all about Moses and the law and the tabernacle and, and, and the fundamental doctrine that was delivered to them by their patriarchs. And now they're making the decision to walk away from what was popular and what was solid for them in the past. But they have a clear understanding that was that God had established a new way through Jesus. And the only reason they could make that kind of a bold stance that they were in right now is because they had an experience that has kept them. And so the writer goes back and tells them, don't forget your experience. Don't forget where you come from. Don't forget who you were before God found you. Don't forget the good experiences that you had the first time you felt the presence of God. The question I have to ask you is, can you remember? Can you remember the first time you experienced God in your life, the moment, the place, the time, the event, the happenings prior to that, how God led you? Maybe you're in that moment right now. Maybe you're in that season of your life where everything's new and things are transpiring in your life where you're experiencing God for the first time in a, in a new way. And maybe you've been living this for a while. Maybe you've been going to church for a while. Maybe you've adapted to a new lifestyle as a Christian. But sometimes things can become so men, mundane that we forget about the goodness of God in our life and we forget about that moment when we were feeling the urge to just go and spend time in prayer and feeling that direction and hunger to go get into the Word of God. How many of you remember when you first got saved and had your experience with God that you were changing? Things were different and nothing else mattered but Jesus. The only way I can really relate this is how I felt about my wife when I first met her. I, I, I don't know how you were, but when I met my wife, was my girlfriend at the time, I knew this is the one. This is it. I can't even tell you who was the president when I met her. <laughs> Didn't matter. In love, baby. In love. Can't tell you what I was wearing. Couldn't tell you what she was wearing. I couldn't tell you the facts and the dates and the events. I couldn't tell you what the popular series on television was because nothing else mattered but her. Everything evolved around her. And I know she felt the same about me. I just, I just know. No, I know my wife loved me because I had a, I had a, 
I had a hoopty when I was in high school. I had a junk for a car, piece of junk. And she still followed me. It's not what's on the outside, it's what's on the inside. But you know, I also remember when I first had an encounter with God. Thinking about it right now, just my heart begins to burn and my spirit begins to kind of kindle the flame of, and, and I remember being so driven to just be alone with him. I remember the, the call I felt to just be in his presence. It, it was a call. It, it, it is a call. The tugging. I remember the hunger I had for the word, and I had my little pocket Bible, my little Gideon Bible. Remember those? People were giving them out like candy. I got one. I don't know who gave it to me, but somebody had an extra. You always had like two or three Gideon Bibles around. Someone gave me one. I put it in my pocket, went to work, always hungry for the word. And then, then when church time came, there was something inside of me. Just, just got excited. The gospel music was going. We were just fixed up. I don't care. I don't know. You know, back then we'd wear a tie and a, and a, and a jacket and get all, you know, that's what church was for us. And we're fine shoes like I got on today, fine shoes. <laughs> Nowhere's near where I used to be. But there's a reason why we dress the way we do now. I'm not trying to be disrespectful in any way because back then I couldn't afford those fancy outfits and I had to go shopping at secondhand stores all the time. Nothing wrong with that. But it just after a while, you smell the armpits fall for somebody else and it just gets old. And I just, and then I had to go buy a brand new one and that was hard to find. And so, you know, it just it cost too much. I said, well, God, if I ever pastor, please let me dress casual sometimes and whatever, but the point is, is that no matter how I look, my hunger is even stronger than what it used to be. My hunger is more than what it used to be, because God sees the heart. He sees the things that happens in our, in, in our spirit. Every one of us should have some type of file of faith, a memory bank, if you will, a hard drive in our spirit to remind us of all the times that God did a miracle in your life. And that moment when your faith was pure, in the purest moment of your life when the presence of God was so real and you were so, you, you were so excited that you believed that God could do anything. And you'd speak it and you believe it. And it would happen. Nothing has changed except we become comfortable. And we can almost look at problems and forget that God is able. This is where we're at in America right now. If there's ever been a time for people to believe that God is able and God will and God will never fail, it's right now. Nothing changes. We do the same thing we've always done. No matter what the nation's economy does, we are linked to a kingdom economy. We are linked to the king who calls the shots, who said he owns the earth and the fullness thereof. He owns everything on the earth. Now, the devil may try to be and have dominion in the airwaves, in the spiritual sense, in the earth, but God owns the earth. And God has given us the privilege to have our right to walk in authority and Whatever needs need to be met, God can meet our needs according to his 
riches and glory, but he also manifests them through physical things. And so I'm not worried about my things. See, the Hebrews had to learn the hard way, and they had their things taken from them. For us in America, persecution is not taking our stuff from us. Most of the, It is really our social status. I mean, somebody blocked me. <laughs> right? We were friends. I don't know what happened. They were friends with me. I was friends with them. All of a sudden, I looked on there, and they're not there anymore. I don't know. We get all worked up because of our social, social status. We got, get all worked up uh, because people don't agree with us. And, and then we, we have a belief system or you're something. And, and sometimes in our world, you, people follow the crowd so they can, you know, uh, uh, just kind of uh, stay away from going against the grain so no one would, would call them out. And they wouldn't be different because everyone wants to be liked. But living for Christ, whether you like it or not, does make you different. Living for God isn't always going to be popular. Standing for what's right isn't always popular. God did not call us to please everyone. God called us to please him. And then God called us to reach out to others who have need of him. And he will work on their hearts as long as we pray. And we are here for each other. But you're not alone. You're, you'll never be alone as long as you're part of the church. And let me remind you what the writer was telling to the Hebrews. He told them all these things happened, but you had a joy after that. And he said, because you had an understanding that there's more to them, this life than what you see. We have an eternal reward to gain. That's what he said to the people. And then they knew and they understood, and they had conviction that this world is all temporary. Everything you've got is either going to own, be owned by somebody else, passed down to somebody else, and this body, this beautiful makeup and all that you've got, and when you look in the mirror, one day it'll be dust. <laughs> that, isn't that crazy? But your soul will live forever. Your spirit, man, will live forever. I think we need a renewing in the church. Uh, maybe at Riverside only, I don't, I don't know. But I think we need a renewing of there being a heaven to gain. That heaven is real. And, and I'm going to tell you something else that we need a renewing of. Also that hell is real. Nobody talks about hell anymore because it's not popular and it's not a great way to grow a church. But heaven and hell are for real, just like God and Satan are real. The good news is, is that Jesus went down to hell so you wouldn't have to and overcame it and rose again after three days. The devil thought he won, but he didn't. After three days, God released what was on the inside and caused the body of Christ to resurrect again. So with all that being said, that gives evidence to what you and I have some, you and I are, are, should be looking forward to. I had lately been on a, on a fitness journey and God's just allowing me to get my health back. And uh, some of you don't know the story, but I, I hit a really, really hard brick wall like seven years ago. 
was bedridden for a year, gained 150 pounds, and wasn't able to work out, couldn't even, my heart rate and my adrenals were just so out of balance, my endocrine system was off, and it was due to a lack of taking care of myself and properly managing my, my stress, and I was working a full-time job as an IE technician for a generation plant, and I was pastoring at the same time, and we were growing, we were going, things were happening, but I never took care of myself, and so, so recently, God's allowed me to stop and, and reconsider everything and reevaluate things in my life, and the one thing I've realized is that I don't take anything for granted now, uh, and, and the people in my life are the most important pe- thing that I could ever have. Um, you know that relationships is one of the currencies of heaven. Your brothers and your sisters, your church family, your own family, that's really all that matters. And the things that you instill within them, and I don't want to go uh, too far into that today, but the truth is, is that, is that if you're going to take anything with you to heaven, it's going to be your loved ones. And that's all that matters. And, and so, you know, I was thinking about what's important. Well, lately I've been in this little, little bit of a uh, little venture on, on, on doing some some dry sauna time. How many of you like a dry sauna? You know what a dry sauna is? And I did some research, and I've been doing the dry sauna, and I'm like, man, this thing really works. I don't know what's going on, but it really works. And uh, I did some research, and I found out that this is what they have in Finland as well. They, they actually have dry, dry saunas in every apartment in Finland. When you're there, it comes with every house. And it's a lifestyle there, and I'm like, man, I'd love. Last week, I was like, man, I would love to, to just find out how they really do it there and how it really happens. Well, yesterday, my son and I went to the, to the gym, and then we were in the dry sauna. And right when we were in there, this guy was in there, and, and we start talking. And he said, yeah. He said, I just moved here from Finland. And I said, oh, well, I was just wondering what they do over there. So he started telling me all how they properly do the dry sauna, 10 minutes then get out in the cold, then go back in for another 10 minutes, and then go out in the cold. There's a lot of scientific stuff to that. I don't want to bore you with it. And I'm interested in that. But then he hits me between the eyes. And he said something to me that just hit me with conviction. I asked him, and I said, what's the difference between America and Finland and the rest of the world out there? He said, really? He said, you really want to know? He said, in America, it's all about your status, all about material things in America, all about keeping up with your neighbor, all about who has the best houses, things, and you're not accepted unless you're dressed a certain way or you're rich. He said, over there, it's not like that. He said, over there, they don't judge you by what you're wearing or they don't judge you by where you live or what you drive. He said it's really an area that everyone sees you and respects you for who you are. But in America, it's just different. So much stress. And I felt so convicted because I find myself sometimes, now, don't judge me. But, you know, we have to be honest and be transparent. I find myself sometimes more concerned about what people think sometimes. In certain areas of my life, not everything. Just for me, in some areas of my life, it doesn't matter. 
like one thing that doesn't matter to me, I don't care what a person thinks about my zeal for living for God. Care less. Care less what you think. If I, I, I know I love him, and I'm going to be radical, uh, but I'm not going to be rude. I'm not going to be weird, but I'm going to put him first in my life, and that's okay if it didn't please you, but I'm going to please him. That's one thing that I can care less about because I'm in love with him. He's in love with me. How many of you, are, you, how many of you love Jesus? You just, you just love him, and, and you find yourself in this love circle of nothing else matters, and it doesn't care. You know, it just doesn't matter. But, but that's the area that, that I think is most important anyways. So I'm not rude, and I'm not religious, and I don't think I'm better than anybody else, and I don't think God loves me more than he loves you. But I do believe that Christ died for everybody. And if the person only knew what was there and what the future was about and what the kingdom of God really is, we wouldn't care so much about who gets in the office tomorrow or the next day or the four more years after that. It wouldn't matter as long as Jesus is still on the throne and still operating in my life and, and I have authority in this world with him and he calls the shots and my prayer life is what constitutes everything in my life and corporate with the Bible. Everything I believe is based on him and whether or not the economy or the stock market goes up and down, I've learned that if I'm... If I take my eyes off of him, then I'm affected by it. But when I keep my eyes on him, it don't matter. It doesn't matter. I can care less. I'm going to have an awesome day today. I'm going to have an awesome Sunday today. I've been the house of God. I've got Jesus in my life. My children are in the house of God. We're worshiping God together. We're doing ministry together. We're investing in our future, and time's going to pass by so fast. But I'll look back, and I'll be able to say, thank you, Jesus. Everything and everything is all right and all is well. Can you just lift your hands just for a moment, take a praise break, and tell them thank you? Even if your family's not saved or your children aren't where they need to be, just thank them ahead of time for it. Just tell them thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing in my life. Thank you for what you're doing in my family. Thank you, dear God. Thank you, dear God. doesn't matter how big your house is. doesn't matter how fancy your cars are. And I like fancy cars, by the way. I like houses, by the way. I like all that stuff, but that's not my priority. My priority is to make sure that he has a habitation and that I'm the habitation and that he can dwell in me and I in him, and that's all that matters. That's all that matters. So I find myself looking and comparing myself with the Hebrews of this Bible, and when the Bible says that the Hebrews were told, hey, don't forget where you came from. Don't forget your experience. You have a heaven to gain. You have a world to shun, uh, you know, and a hell to shun. And the area of your life, just keep heaven at the focal point of what you're doing. Put everything in proper perspective and look at it. And then he goes in and quotes the Lord Jesus himself and says, one of the reasons why Jesus was so effective in this world is because he knew his purpose. He knew his purpose. One of the things that keeps us engaged and keeps our hearts and minds is when we have a revelation and an understanding of our purpose. 
Everyone has a purpose. Everyone has a place. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says this in the NLT. Then he said, Jesus, look, I have come to do your will. Speaking of the Father. He cancels the first covenant in order to establish the second into effect. Put the second into effect. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Christ once for all time. Point number two is this, serving Jesus serves your purpose. The first purpose we've got is to become like him. The second purpose we've got is to do like him. Let me repeat that, and you can write that in your notes. Our first priority is to be like him. Our second one is to do like he does or do like he did. That's what it comes down to, and that's all that's going to matter. Good, enter in to the joy of the Lord, thou good and faithful. What did he say, preacher? Did he say businessman? Doctor, lawyer, musician? Uh, Don't make me scan the crowd now. (laughs) Servant. Yeah. Servant. See, servant has a variety of definitions under any career or position. You can even be the owner and still be a servant. Jesus stepped into this world, and Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. I came to serve. And in the process of serving, he said, And he had a conviction about it when you read it. And he said, I've come to do the will of my father. That's all that mattered. That's all he focused on. 33 years of age, his entire life was geared to go through one agonizing moment from Pilate's Hall all the way to Calvary. But the 30 years, and I've said this a number of times, but think about this. And all the time of preparation for 30 years, for three years of ministry, all that mattered was the will of God. So we have to begin to ask ourselves, what really matters? And why am I in the position that I'm in? And why does God have me here? Why did God move me to Victoria? Why did God put me in the neighborhood I'm in? Why did he give me the job that I've got? What's my purpose? You'll find it if you'll find Jesus in your life. You'll find the purpose if you'll find the relationship that you need to have with Jesus. You'll find it again and it becomes easier for you if you've been living for God for a while. Maybe you've strayed away from that. Just go back and remember where God found you. Just go back and renew your, your love with him. Again, you know, we're human beings and we're required to be renewed And whatever endeavor you're involved in, we all need a renewing. You know what burnout really is when you're burnt out on something? Burnt out is exactly what it means. Something burned out. The fire burned out. In order to not be burned out, you have to keep the fire going. How do you keep the fire going? You have to continually add something to it and give it some air. How do we do that? Well, here's what I call the wood, 
And the Spirit is what I call the oxygen. And if you'll continually stay in the Word of God and you'll stay on your knees and pray, I have found that the fire never fades. I have found that the fire doesn't go out. And no matter what you do, you'll find an anointing in that. I'm getting off the subject, but I think I need to talk about it because most people need to understand where to find your anointing. How do you find your anointing? Well, let me help you. Whatever you start to do while you're serving, you feel a... You don't know what that is, do you? <laughs> not, not break dancing. <laughs> I could have, but I didn't. I was going to, but I didn't. I know where I'm supposed to serve and where I'm supposed to be based on where God is anointing me. When I first got saved, when I think back now, I'm thinking of all these memories. I have that file. So let me pull something out of my file. I'm going to pull the Sunday school experience I had. When I first was asked to be involved with church, I started in the Sunday school department. And I started ministering to kids well. I couldn't even minister to kids well until I learned how to minister God, to God well. So I started praying more, and I took it real serious. I was, I, I'm like a, I'm an overachiever, right? I'm just extra like that. My kids make fun of me because I'm extra. They, they just go, Dad, that's just way too extreme, Dad. I'm an extreme, I am an extreme kind of guy. Like when I go on a diet, it's just carrots and water. <laughs> you know, fast all the time, right? I don't know how else to do it, man. I mean, just love food. Well, I eat bananas all the time now. I'm losing weight, but anyhow, I'm kidding, but this, this, this moment in my life, I, I, I realized, you know, I have to, I have to find a place if I'm going to effectively minister to him, so I did, and I, I ministered to God well first, and that's the secret I learned, if you can minister to God well, you can minister to other people well, and, and so, and so I, I remember being in that Sunday school room, and the moment I started to serve those children, I felt something come out of me, like an, another, as I was talking, like it was illuminated, something illuminated in my mind, and I got a full understanding, and I gave it to the kids, and they felt something, and they started to cry, and they started to worship, and kids were getting saved, and some were getting the baptism of the Holy Spirit in a Sunday school room. Come on, somebody. God is not a respect of people. And the children need God as much as we need God. And when children get the Spirit of God, they do not get a midget Holy Ghost. Right? They don't get a little small Spirit of God in their life. They get the real deal. Right? Big God, little world, right? It just it doesn't happen that way. It doesn't happen that way. But I felt it, and I stayed on that track. And then it led to being here, and probably today I shouldn't be here, but <laughs> some kind of a comedy store or something. But I, I'm here because God chose me and God allowed me. But I see, I, I'm, I'm in the will of God because I feel God's will and desire coming through me, and I have a passion for helping people and watching families grow. And, and all I care about is your future. All I care about is our future, but I need somebody to do life with. You need somebody in your corner. You need someone in your life. You can't do it by yourself. Doing it by yourself out there in the world 
It's just a task that's daunting. When you're out there in the world and, and you don't have a community, you're like this right here. People that forget where they come from, forget about the goodness of God. Remember that you wouldn't be blessed like you are unless God had blessed you. People, we forget that. We need to remember and we need to come to the house of God. And the problem is, is that we forget and we also forget about the importance of church because something significant happens in a corporate setting. You see, when, when the devil sees you out there and not in your relationship with God, he sees you like this and you're easy to break. Easy. Easily offended. Easily. And then you say, all I need is just me, my husband and my wife. That's all we need. But you're still easy to break. Still easy to break. But when the devil sees all of you together, I mean, I'll be here all day if I try to do the same thing. It's not going to happen. The body of Christ is stronger, it can bear heavier burdens, and you become unbreakable. Because when the devil sees you, I want you to think about this. If we're the body of Christ, and Jesus is the head. When you're by yourself, yeah, you have authority, you have power. But when you come together corporately, there is something that comes into the body corporately from God. And he doesn't just see one person. He sees a giant. That's why in these moments that we have when we worship together, that's why it's easier to find freedom in the atmosphere. That's why we come together and we pray together and put all of our energy together, our synergy, and then we feel the anointing and the anointing breaks the yoke and this is where people get saved. This is where people get delivered. This is where people get refreshed. This is where people find their strength again. They find their renewing again and it's so hard to break someone when they're with everyone else. You become unbreakable. But listen, the apostle Paul, if he's the writer of Hebrews, he tries to tell them, don't forget where you came from. He said, remember that you've got an eternity to gain. And then he says in Hebrews 10 and 24, listen to what he says. He said, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love. Now think about this for one moment. Think about their particular situation. They're being persecuted. They got their homes taken away. Their properties taken away. They're, they're being thrown in jail. And he's telling them, hey, just give love. What? I'm not getting love. I'm going to the dollar store, making a bunch of picket signs. I'm going to head straight to that company, and I'm going to blah, blah, blah. I'm going to march around. I mean, we try so hard to do it on our own, our way, and you're wasting your energy. God said, do acts of love. Why? I'll tell you why. Here's the reason why. When you're going through something and you feel like you got to be vindicated and you feel like you need to uh, be revenged on this and you want to be, uh, you want to do something about it, remember, God is a God of love and God will only move through love. 
and God will only operate with you in a right spirit. He does not want you to become angry because he cares more about the condition of your soul. And this is why he says, vengeance belongs to me, saith God, and you just love me. I'll take care of your enemies. It's not worth it. It's not worth being upset. It's not worth posting it. You ever just kind of post something and then read it, feel good about it, then erase it? I don't do it. I just wonder who else did it. <laughs> I know who you are now. Don't mess up and send that thing. Good works. Here's the point. Here's the point. Motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now. Everyone say now. Now the church needs to come together. We're not even in the same situation therein. But when things are going wrong in the world, the last thing you need to do is stay home. The next thing you need to do is come to church, lift up your hands, and put your worship on. Because you're going to need strength. You're going to need faith. You're going to need love. Keep a right spirit. But encourage one another. Turn to somebody and tell them, you look good today. You look good today. You look awesome today. So good. You look good with church on you. Especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Yeah, the Lord is coming back one day. And I'm not going to be one of those gloom and doom preachers that tries to predict the time. My biggest concept is this. Live like he left yesterday and he's coming back tomorrow. You'll be all right. It's all about a relationship with Jesus. It is all about the end moment of where you're at right now. And yes, I do understand eschatology. I do. I know all about the different concepts of pre-trib, post-trib, pan-trib. It all pan out. What we need to be concerned about is living in the moment and understanding that a present relationship with God was the only thing that would change our future. That's it. Say it with me. I need the church. Aren't you glad you came to church today? I am. I'm glad. I'm closing right now. Come on, Haley. The closing thoughts I want to leave you is this. Jesus plus church community equals an abundant life. How is that possible? Here's how it's possible. The scripture says that we are built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. With Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. In whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into a holy habitation of God through the spirit. What does that mean? Well, growth is a continual process, but when you're found on the same, when you're built on the same foundation, I want you to be conscious of this, that all of us here have the very same foundation. And if we have the same foundation, that means we're being built and joined together. Now, when we can agree together, we can grow together. When we can grow together, we can accomplish more together. When I come to God's house and I learn how the importance, the importance of community, I realize that I leave, always leave stronger. Why? I always, always want to be aware of the fact that, that your worship 
overflows into mine sometimes. Your prayers overflow into my prayer life sometimes. Well, even when you come in and you're, you're worshiping during the songs and, and, and you're just praying, and some of you praying in the Spirit, did you know that God is using you to intercede for someone else or even yourself or things you have no idea about? But corporately coming together, our spirits do connect in a corporate setting as the body of Christ. And God does things corporately that he cannot do individually. The, the scripture says that the gifts function in the corporate body. That people, we find our identity. He said, the people will know you're my disciples because you have love one for another. That's our, our identity is found in our community. There's so much to this. But see, that's why we have to exercise the good works that the apostle wrote. He said right now in this season, and I think this should be good for every season, give love and do acts of good works. That's why we have Riverside Cares. That's why we're doing the Thanksgiving Drive. That's why we do the Shine On ministry with our special needs programs. That's why we have church services in general. That's why we do the small group, the connect groups, all that we've got. It's all outreach. All an effort to serve Jesus and serve your purpose. To keep us in the will of God. It keeps us healthy. If we don't outreach and we all we focus on is inreach, we'll start finding everything wrong about the church. But the, the moment we forget about making a difference in someone else's life is the moment that we stop growing. And that's exactly what he told them. Encourage one another. Reach out. Don't forget about coming together. And when you come together, do life together. Get involved. Serve. And you're going to find strength. Here's the weekly challenge. I'm going to give you this weekly challenge. And it's so easy. Call and encourage someone in your community, whether your church community, your neighbor, your friend. Call them with an encouraging word. Reach out to somebody. Be a light in your world. Make a difference. Call someone you normally wouldn't call. Pray before you call. Pray for someone that doesn't like you and then call them and blow their mind. Invite them to church. The point is, more than ever, the church needs to be together more than ever. Let's not allow the politics to affect our church family. Despite our differences, despite all the different types of personalities even that we do have within the church, there is no such thing as a perfect church. But we're here, we're here to serve one purpose and that's to serve Jesus and worship Jesus and be better and be stronger and be willing. How many of you want to do the will of God in your life? How many of you want to draw closer? Stand up. We're stronger together. We're stronger together. Let's worship together right now. Will you lift up your hands and just, just release what's in your heart? 
just begin to worship and plug in together. Let's allow the Spirit of God to move. Let's allow the Spirit of God to move just for two minutes, just for two minutes, one minute of worship, and the rest I'm going to hand it over. After one minute, I'm handing it over to them. Let them close the service. If you're here today and you've not given your life to Jesus, if you're walking and watching online today and you've not given your life to the Lord, take that first step. Just begin to pray a prayer like this in your own heart. Father, forgive me for my sins. Lord Jesus, be the Lord and Savior of my life. Lord Jesus, be number one. I want you to take priority. Forgive me for doing it my way. I want to start doing it your way. I'm sorry for everything I've done wrong. I can't even count them, Father. You know the number, but by your act of mercy, I know it's gone, and I trust you today, Jesus. I trust you today. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit riversidechurch.com.